This is Guitar Talk. To me, it just seems like there are endless possibilities. One of the things I like to find out, you know, how people got influenced in the play and the guitar, because stories are so unique. The trick is not to feel pressured to conform. If you know anything about Joel, he's been around the block. He's probably one of the most sought-after guitar players. How would you create that song? How would you turn that song into your song? There's not a guitar player on this planet that I personally don't follow closer. It's it's not something that you see too often. I only know a few players that do it. Now, from the home of the blues, Chicago, Illinois, welcome to Guitar Talk with your host, Jimmy Warren. Hey everybody, Jimmy Warren here. Welcome to Guitar Talk. So thankful you could join me today for another edition. Yep, yet another. It's Wednesday, so here we are. Man, we've got a great show in store for you. As you all know, and I've mentioned this before, one of my all-time favorite guitar players, I mean, all-around greats, is Steve Lukather. I really admire uh, his, uh, his ability and his talent. And I really love the fact that that legacy is being carried on under his name, you know what I mean? Because today my guest is Trev Lukather, Steve's son. And if you've come to know anything about Trev, I mean, uh, I mean, he's not the same kind of player as Steve, of course, but he's equally as talented. Uh, he's equally as uh, fun to talk with. And, um, you know, you, I think you're really going to enjoy this. So be- before we get into it, I want to let you know that this program is brought to you today by Charles and John's hand-wound Made in the USA guitar strings. I got a great blend of uh, nickel and steel uh, material that go together to make these long lasting, vibrant sounding strings. I personally use them. And if you want to know more about them, you go to charlesandjohns.com. Great strings, really are. Also, we're brought to you by the guitarsforvets.org organization that helps veterans with PTSD through the gift of the guitar, through music. Uh, they help uh, veterans that are dealing with this uh, affliction in order to have a guitar and to get lessons and, you know, to use it as music therapy. And I'm proud to be an ambassador along with a lot of other great musicians like uh, Scott Ian and Sully Erna and Tommy Emanuel and so many others. So uh, make sure that you go to guitarsforvets.org and check out, you know, what's going on and how you can help them. <laughs> so uh, next week is is NAM show in, in Nashville. Uh, I know so many of us are excited to be going and thankful that, you know, things are at a place to where we can finally get out and feel a little bit human again. If you happen to see me and you're down there, you know, make sure you stop me and uh, so I can uh, say hello. You know what I mean? I like to, you know, meet the people that are paying attention to this show and because that means an awful lot to me. And that, so I'll be down in Nashville uh, the 15th, 16th, and 17th uh, there for the uh, Summer NAM show. So, you know, all right. Hey, and did you go to guitartalkofficial.com and sign up for our newsletter? I know we sent it out uh, at the beginning of the month like we always do the, so you have an idea of what's going on. There's so much happening 
you know, so I want to make sure that you're, uh, you know, keeping abreast of that. And then also, too, one last thing on the 12th, Monday the 12th, we're doing our second online Zoom guitar clinic. We're talking about overdrives, the use of overdrives, stacking overdrives, and et cetera. Uh, it is absolutely free. All you have to do is go to guitartalkofficial.com and register. There are eight seats available. I think there's still a couple of left. Did I just say a couple of left? <laughs> there, there are a few left. So all you got to do is go there and register for it. Uh, we're doing a clinic every single month, uh, once a month, in that uh, around a variety of topics. And I'm bringing in some guests on some of them. Last month we had Harry Mira, who was the guitarist for the Halo video game series. And so uh, this this month I'm doing it all by myself. I'm you know I'm out in the you know I'm out in the boonies all by myself. You know doing this thing. You know dodging the bullets and taking the arrows and you know all that good stuff. So uh, here we go, man. We're going to jump right in. You're going to really enjoy this. Uh, you know, I, one thing I will say is that when we did the interview, Trev Lukather was in the band Lavara. And for those of you that are paying attention to music closely, you know that Lavara was becoming, you know, pretty popular and they were climbing their way up pretty fast. You know, I mean, they were managed by the same guy who you know, manages some of the really, really, really big bands. And so, you know, there was high hopes that these guys were going to, you know, be huge. Well, it wasn't much longer after the interview completed, after we did it, that uh, Trev Lukather uh, was let go and was put out of the band and that. And so, unfortunately, we don't talk about that. We actually talk about LeVar and their music and what's going on. Uh, but I need to give you the disclosure that this was actually recorded prior to, so, uh, you know, you'll have to, you know, figure that out for yourself, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, he still talks great guitar, though. He really does. So here we go. Without further ado, my guest today on Guitar Talk, Trev Lucas. Oh, what's up, dude? Oh, wow. You're early. I'm early, I know. I love it. <laughs> you know how often that happens? Uh, is it like never? Yeah, it's never, man. No, every now and then. You're, is it usually? Is it usually? Is it usually just like two pe- people too fabulous, man? They're they're fucking fifteen minutes late. They don't care about your fucking time. That kind of shit. Uh, well, I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I can tell you this though. I uh, I interviewed your dad and uh, Joseph a couple of weeks back. And they were on when I got on, which surprised me. Yeah. Because I figured, you know, rock stars, you know, it's like, blown yeah, I like your setup. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, same here, man. Same here. What is it with the Ernie Balls? I mean, what is what do you it mean? with that crazy guitar? I mean, why did you choose that? I mean, it's just like every time I see a video of you or when I see you, you know, just jamming around, that seems to be the guitar you have in your hands. Yeah. I mean, the St. Vincent. Yeah. Yeah, man. It just is the, is the, it's a guitar that connected to me, man. I mean, I'm, I'm a guy that, uh, likes quirky stuff and the look of it's very quirky. Yeah. And then, uh, and then just the fact that, um, they just feel and sound incredible, man. You know, it just, it's just when you pick up a guitar and, and you just, uh, you just have that connection. You just can't deny the connection. It's like a relationship, you know, it's like you meet somebody you're like, uh, there's a connection, you know? So, 
uh, I have it with guitars and, and, you know, I'm not being biased or anything. I, uh, I just, even though I grew up with the ball family, they just make the best fucking guitars, man. And I love, you know, in the studio, fucking around with the Fender Strats, great. I love a Fender tone. I mean, they make the Cutlass, that neon green Cutlass is so close to a Fender. I mean, it's their version of a Fender, but like, you know, when you play, pick up a real Strat, it's it's great in the studio, but like, I, I would never, it's cool for picking funk parts. Like you, you want to get that twang, cool. I'm just... I don't, I didn't connect to Gibson or Fender as far as guitars, you know, and everyone plays them. And I don't know. I like to be out of the box, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I get it. You know, I was Fender long time, you know, the 17 years I toured was Fender and uh, I got into Ibanez last year, bought my first AZ, you know, prestige and absolutely loved it. And it's, it's on a completely different caliber. You know what I mean? It's like a completely different plane. And I would say the same goes for the music man. You know, I, I think that it's on a completely different level yeah. than, Gibson, than Gibson or Fender is, you know, and uh, I, I mean, they're very family oriented too, like with the artists as well. Like I, I've, you know, I have a lot of musician friends that are, uh, that are young, that are Ernie Ball artists and, you know, they just, you know, they treat everyone like family. It's a family owned biz. It's not super corporate, you know, like a lot of these other companies are really corporate and there's just that lack of, uh, of connection. I mean, I know some people at Fender that are really great. I mean, there's Joey Brassler, uh, who I grew up with knowing he is really at him and Stan, um, who makes all the Fender pedals. I used so many pedals from Fender. I didn't even know Fender had pedals until right before I went in the studio to record the LeVar record. I met Stan through Joey Brassler and he had, you know, they had these pedals, um, and I fucked with it and I connected so hard with the pedals that I was like, I need these. I want to record with these. And there's a thing called a reflecting pool that they made, which is like a, a delay reverb pedal. And it, it just, it, I used it on every tune on the record. It's one of my favorite pedals that I've, that I've uh, used, man. So, you know, Fender, there are people at Fender that I know, the people that I have met that are, they've become more family oriented. I remember, you know, a little before Joey, got involved people had me a fender they were cool people but the artist thing like it wasn't really that you know there wasn't i'm sure if you were eric clapton or fucking john mayer or someone like it'd probably be a different story but uh i don't know i just feel that ernie balls just uh they make incredible guitars and they're and they're just family to like all the people that they support so yeah that's really cool that's really well you're you're a good player man you're a Thanks, really bro. good solid player and uh, and I promised myself that I wouldn't ask you uh, about how you, you know, got so good growing up with Steve, of course, but, uh, but I'm going to, I hope you don't mind, you know, I got to ask this, the uh, last interview I did, uh, if he taught me, he didn't teach me. So, okay. Well, I, you know what? I, I know some people, like I got a son who's, who's a great player and he, he didn't take anything from me. You know what I mean? He didn't pay any attention to me. He wouldn't come to my shows you know, and stuff like that, uh, because he, he had to do his own thing, you know, yeah. he, he wanted to go his own path. I, I feel that it's good that he didn't, that Pop didn't teach me because he, uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to be a clone, yeah. you know, and I didn't even start soloing or trying to do guitar solos until I was like seven years into playing guitar. Like I, I just, I was, you know, he told me when I was a kid, like, you know, just write songs, focus on your rhythm. That's what matters. You know, shredding doesn't really matter. Um, so after, you know, 
developing my my rhythm skills and writing skills uh you know you want to you want to take on doing some guitar solos and uh and then you know i just started listening to obviously him but like you know outside of him david gilmore neil sean trevor rabin you know these uh just melodic badass players man you know and I'm more Gilmore because Gilmore is not a shredder. I'm not a shredder. You know, I'll, I'll do some fun tricks and stuff, but like, I just like singing with the guitar, man, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. And those are great. Those are great influences. And I'm sure that as your career goes on and on, you're going to get sick and tired of people like me asking you that question. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? I mean, it's, I mean, it's, understa- it's an understandable question, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like, Ooh, I'm not fab or anything, man. You know, I'm just a guy that, uh, <laughs> that, that grew up in a music family, but I'm, I'm now like in my own scene, you know, I mean, uh, yeah. it, it just, I, I focus on just being the best me I could possibly be and, and, and play for as many, uh, do as many things as I can on the guitar and hopefully it connects to as many people as possible. Cause that's really what it's all about. It's not about me or where I come from. It's about, uh, it's about, you know, what I do with the instrument that can maybe help someone else listen. When they listen, they forget about their fucked up day for a second. You know, that's really what we're all here. You play, it's, it's therapy for ourselves, but it's also like you're doing it so you can provide some therapy for other people too. That, that's a cool perspective, you know, because too many people get hung up on, you know, I guess all the bullshit around, you know, who they are and what they do and, what a waste of energy man yeah i I completely i completely agree and that's really cool now the band lavar i I, you know you guys got from what i know you guys got three singles out correct yeah you got three singles out you got an album that's going to be coming out yeah on may 14th may 14th it's going to be coming out and so how would you describe you know the music of lavar Man, it's anthemic. Um, we wanted to put, you know, pay some homage to the bands, you know, the type of bands that back in the day, you know, had great like anthemic pop songs. You can call them pop songs, but they're rock. They're musicianship behind it, you know, real band playing real instruments and just showing that they got some, some musicianship that they actually really, you know, put some time in, but still creating uh, songs for everybody to dig, you know? I mean, we we come from such different places. I mean, we're, we're all three of us are from different places in the world. Josh from the UK, Jules from France, me from LA and different influences. And, you know, Jules being more, um, MJ Prince, R and B, uh, you know, bringing that, bringing those kind of styles and morphing into one. Uh, it just kind of developed this really cool vibe and sound and uh yeah man i mean we had so much fun making the record we just wanted to make some fucking tunes that we wanted to listen to ourselves you know like like what's what's what you know man i'd love to hear a song that would be like a modern version of this and it's like well how about we fucking make it you know and uh even though there was never the intention we never really had intentions making the songs it's the weird thing we locked ourselves away for two months and we just let ourselves just throw out i mean we we demoed probably almost 30 songs went in the studio narrowed the 30 down to nine and then we needed to write four more because there's gonna be a deluxe version of the record coming out later on so we we knew we were gonna have 10 songs in the record so we had to write four more to record and we kind of wrote them in between like days off when they're editing or doing some kind of you know uh 
had to do like a production day, some post-production stuff. Like we, uh, we would get together and see what would come out, man. And we wrote some of our favorite songs during those times. We wrote Chameleon, which is one of the songs we released already. Heaven Knows as well, which we released. Um, and uh, yeah, most of them made the record. And we ended up putting some of the ones that we intended to be on the record on the deluxe. Yeah. So what's the song uh, writing process like for you and the band? I mean, I'll, I'll bring the music. Like I'll bring... Uh, I'll really sit with something and for like a while and want to hone in on all like the at least the changes and the the chords and the and just make sure that it's strong enough and then when I feel pretty confident with it I'll bring it into the guys and Jules will start throwing out melodies and he's a great lyricist um, as well uh, and then all the you know and then Josh will start putting his taste to it and you know then we really hone in on I'm more of like I'm really, I always focus so much on the chorus. Like I, I, I'm very, let's make a chorus for everybody. You know, if, if people can't really sing along to the chorus by hearing it for the first time by the second chorus, then it's not a chorus, you know? Yeah. Uh, like I just, I, I, I'm always, I'm, I'm more of the guy that kind of pushes for that. But we, you know, we, we really just tone in together, man. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's mainly just us kind of, like me coming up with the part, the music, Jules starts messing with melodies and, and lyrics. Josh starts coming up with his parts. And then we kind of make sure the lyrics are right and that the melody's right. And then we make sure the chorus is solid and boom, it should be done. Wow, that's really cool. So when you're in the studio and let's say you're recording your parts, let's say you're going to record uh, a solo part in that. Is it something that you have planned out that you've written or is it something? Uh, guitar solos? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, yeah. I, I always feel that when a guitar solo happens, it should be a song within a song. It should be as hooky um, and, rem and rememberable as the chorus. Uh, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll sit with it. Um, I'm not, I, I don't, I, I feel like it'd be kind of really, I'm not that, I'm not going to ever claim that I'm Mr. On the spot guitar. You know, I, I can figure out a solo on the spot, but you know, just, oh, just hit record. All right, let me just see what comes out. I'm not, I'm not that guy. I, I, I really care about just like, you know, making sure that it's, it, it's as strong as it possibly can. Once again, you got to take the ego out of, oh, I'm just going to, you know, see what, and that's been great for a lot of people. I mean, you know, my pop was known for that, but um, I never really, I'm not, I'm not technical. I never studied music. I, I just was naturally able to play and and catch on. And, and so I didn't st study theory. So I have to sit and just like figure it out, man, you know? Um, but you know, also, also a lot of the songs on the record, uh, a lot of the solos, Steve Perry was with me next to me and he was helping me making sure that all the solos were as strong as the, as, as the rest of the, as the rest of the song. So he, you know, he really mainly loved everything I played. And there's a few things that he's like, all right, maybe that section there, is not as strong as the rest of solo. Let, let's figure out what you can do better. So there's a lot of stuff on the fly, but for the most part, I would, I, it's not like I like locked myself away. I would hear the solo in my head and hum it. And I'd be like, I want to play this. Yeah. And so, you know, um, the chameleon was note for note with, with Steve. Uh, but like a lot of the solos automatic was done. Our song automatic, like that solo was already demoed. Perry didn't touch that. Uh, there's a song called no one above you. This ballad at the end of the, record last song of the record uh that was done um 
but yeah, I mean, a lot of them were involved with Steve, which kind of gave me this really cool, like, oh, now I know what it was like to make a journey record, you know, because you hear, <laughs> you hear, uh, you hear Neil soloing back in the day and they're like these melodic, yeah. memorable solos that made him famous. I mean, it made it, it, gave him his sound. And you could tell that Perry had a lot to do with that. Those like, then, then, you know, Neil go off and do the shred licks and then go right back to that hook of a solo. And, you know, I just, just the vibe that I got from working with him, it was like, yeah, this is definitely how Journey Records were made, you know? But it was great. I mean, I was loving every second of it. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and I think it's a really cool way to do it. I, I personally can't do that myself, but I think- What do you mean? I, I've never been able to, to I, I don't know. I'm, I, I've never been able to really like think through a solo. Really? No. No, you're just on the fly, like hit record. Let's go. Yeah, I'm the yeah, I'm the I take after like David Gilmore. It's like in the sense of I'll take a few passes at it and we'll take the best pass. Wow. Okay. that's because I'm a musical idiot. really. (laughs) No, seems like you're way more skilled than I am, man. Well, I I don't know about that. But uh, but yeah, I've never I've never been able to, you know, and so when you go out and now you're going to play these songs live. Yeah, when the time comes because it's going to happen, of course. In that, so are you gonna, you guys gonna play the the songs like they are, or yeah. are you gonna give? Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, you, people, they're artists that I respect too. They're like, we're not gonna play to any tracks. It's real, like blah blah. I feel that, like, unless we have like a fucking thirty piece band, man. There's so many tracks on these songs, you yeah. know. Yeah. It's like we're not gonna be able to do that. You know, I've been on the road with a with a EDM producer DJ, what's so not, and it's just literally a live show we did. It was this him and me? He had electronic drums, DJ, and I'm up front with the guitar, and we just did this crazy video and light show. And it was literally him playing t- the track of the album. Me, I put a bunch of sounds together with the Helix, created this whole thing, of, and and he kind of let me do what I wanted to do. And then he had the electronic drums over it, and that was the show. And people went nuts, man. Like. Yeah. We did Lollapalooza, Bonnaroo. We did all these big festivals, headlined it. And it was like 50,000 kids that didn't, they just loved it. So if you think about like that on us, and then you think about what we would do is like, we'd have a real bass player. Like we'd have like a, 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 we'd hire a bass player to come out with us, sings. And then we would, you know, I have, I already put together all the sounds I want on my Helix for the set. And uh, basically I'd play the, the main parts, but some other things that I want to play. And we would just have, uh, you know, real drum. It'd be a full, it'd be our band. It'd be a band, just a live version of our record with tracks. And I just feel that nowadays, man, we're not trying to be super hipster of like, oh, fuck tracks. We're, we're very like, let's just make this as the, as the best sounding live version of this record we can, you know? And I have no shame in that game, man. Well, no, I don't think there is any, to be honest with you, because some of the some of the best players that I know, you know, have done that. I mean, look at Larry Mitchell, you know, for instance. I don't know if you're familiar with Larry. He played with, ah. he played with Rick Ocasek and and Billy Squire, and he's, he's nice. a Grammy winning guitar player. I love Billy Squire. Play, plays the tracks. Johnny A plays the tracks. You know, Buckethead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, fucking Molly Crew, man. I mean, that's, yeah. a, you know, like Def Leppard. Yeah. I mean, they played the track. Def Leppard did like 
backing tracks back before backing tracks, man. I mean, they, they made it happen back in the 80s, like early 80s. It's like, uh, you just got to do what you got to do to make sure that that out, that, that you're, that you come across live instead of, you don't, you want people to be like, man, that was better than the record. Like, you don't want people being, uh, they're really good live, but there's something missing, you know, like we don't want that. We want like, here's the live version of the record. I mean, we're not lip syncing, real singing, real playing. We're not miming. It's going to just be uh, some tracks backing us so we can make it sound as legit as possible. Yeah. Well, there's no shame in that. It takes talent to do that. You know what I mean? It takes, it takes the equal amount of talent to, to program something or to put it together like that. And then to be able to play to it live yeah. like that. I mean, that's not, that's not easy. I mean, no. it takes a lot of, a lot of hard work and a lot of skill in order to be yeah. able to do that. Yeah. 100%. Man, that's really cool. So I heard you say you use the helix. Is, is that all you use? You know, cause I, I know you mentioned when you were in the studio, you used some stomp boxes and that from Fender and that. Yeah, I use like a uh, Bogner amp, Shiva did, uh, I used Division 12 amps. Um, so it was real amps, yeah. The thing is, is like, and I use like, a, that's the thing, these are the things that are gonna be on the tracks, you know, like there's like Pog, I used a lot of Pog pedal, low octave, high octave, um, and kind of like did a really cool mix and match of like the main tone that I would use uh, for the riff. And then I just kind of, overdub it with like a high pog that kind of sound like an organ that would be right. playing underneath it. Yeah. So like those kind of things are look texture things that are going to be behind it. But yeah, you're right. Cause then I got to play this shit perfectly in order for this to even make sense. Gotcha. But, um, but you know, like if I was to plug into a, into like a Bogner amp as much as I want to, um, live and have this whole huge mass of pedals i'm not an octopus man i can't just have like eight things going at once and being able to switch and switch so what's so cool about the helix is i i've created like set like each song has like eight presets you know and and i just am able to switch to like intro verse pre-chorus chorus solo bridge ending like and these sounds change so i'm able to it's a lot easier and i'm able to at least develop as close to the sound with all the pedals into one thing. And I don't have to switch, 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 switch. Right. You know, I use a Digitech whammy pedal for some solos and, um, yeah. and even some riff stuff, uh, which I'll, you know, just plug the Digitech whammy, uh, into the helix. Uh, there'll be some extra things, man, but for the most part, I got to do what I can and that's easiest and stress-free for me to still be able to perform instead of just sitting there being like stepping on a million things, you know, the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of guys are, are going to, you know, using the helix or, you know, using the fractals or a Kemper or something like that nah. because of the simplicity, you know, you can program dial everything in and you just have it there. I, I it's fascinating that you said, you know, that you got like eight patches within a song I mean, that's really fascinating because, you know, most guys, you know, they got their set tone and that's that. And then they might have, they might throw a chorus in here or, you know, something else in here. And, uh, yeah. you know, that speaks, that speaks volumes into your ability, you know, as a guitar player, it really does because it's not easy to do, you know, it's, it's a, it's a complicated thing, you know, to yeah, I mean, it took, it took, it, part. yeah, it probably took me three weeks 
three weeks to get the set list for the record. Like I sat in a, I went to Vegas. My mom lives in Vegas and she has this like little guest house. And when the whole pandemic thing hit, um, you know, you're sitting around, you can't leave the house. Uh, and I was just able to spend all day going through each sound, t- dialing it up. I don't know what I'm doing, but I got it in ear. So I'm like, okay, yeah. I, I got to switch it. You know, you're just building it to the point where you're listening to the record and you're listening to what you've created. And you're like, okay, this is pretty fucking close. <laughs> and then like, you're happy with it. And then you go through a song and you get it done. And then you come back the next day and you have to say, okay, fresh ears. Does it sound good still? And then I got to make tweaks. Then I went through like, you know, doing, I, I haven't gone to the, to, I, I got through 10 songs and I was just like, fuck, you know? So like, it was just, uh, it was a lot of work, but at the same time, you know, you get kind of just lot, you kind of get into the zone and, and you, and you get really into it and you get excited and, and, you know, it's a great way to just hone in on the ear and, and kind of just like, you know, get kind of nerdy, man. We're all nerds. I mean, all musicians are nerds, you know? And we get in, we nerd out on gear or we nerd out on, on practicing and, you know, uh, and so like, you know, it's cool to get into that nerdy vibe of just like, okay, this is, uh, and you start, you start like surprising yourself. Cause for me, I'm like, there's no way I could do this. And then you, you then you can, and you're like, Oh, I can do this. You know, it's like with anything in life, man, you know, it's like you're your own worst enemy until you start proving yourself wrong. And then you're like, I can actually do this. And then yeah. boom. Yeah, that's really cool. That's, yeah, I, I know. And, and the other thing that's beautiful about uh, using the Helix like that is you can back everything up on your computer, you know? And so if anything ever was to happen, you know, you have an automatic backup. You take your tone wherever you go. It's in a bag, right? Yeah, I have the backpack. Now dig this, man. This is the beautiful people. The beautiful people over at... Uh, um, Yamaha, man. Uh, I had, and it's crazy, the community, the Helix community. I was in Europe with What's Not, man. We are in Amsterdam and I was stupid, bro. I did not have the Helix. Uh, now I have, I'm staring at it on my computer right now, the, the app and the, and the whole thing on your computer yeah. backing up the sounds, but I never did it. I was just so on the go and on the fly and I didn't download the app and I went to Amsterdam and I built these sounds. Another thing that I took three weeks to do is build a whole set list of sounds for what's or not. And uh, we're doing this Amsterdam show and midway through the fucking set, my Helix just burns out, man. They never seen it happen before, but like it wouldn't even turn on. And uh, it would just get like this weird screen thing. And I didn't have any of my sounds, bro. And it was because the, customs people i guess went through opened up my helix oh they opened it up in customs i didn't see this but you see them it was unscrewed opened up you know a lot of people that don't know what the hell it is yeah they're like yeah and uh and man it just defucked it all up so i had nothing so this community of people matt ferguson man uh just oh my god and mark like uh, they're, they're just, they, they were there. They sent me uh, these, this, they sent out a message to a bunch of people in the Helix community and we had a show in Germany. I had nothing, I had nothing to play. And uh, this guy brought his Helix. Uh, Niels, I think is his name. Yes. Niels. Thank you, Niels. You're a legend, dude. He shows up to the 
to the gig and he has some sounds just, so I just got through that show. And then Mark brought me, uh, I had a show in London. Mark brought me a, a new Helix, took my Helix that was burnt out. And then, so I developed some sounds. He developed some sounds listening to a few of the What's So Not tracks too. And, and kind of listening to some of the live shows I did. They put some presets in for me. I came home, Mark fucking brought it into the Helix. They were able to find the sounds, get it together where they can get my sounds back. And they sent me the sounds. I was able to put them in. And so dude, wow. the line six family and the, the Yamaha people fucking legends, man. Like they saved my ass. I spent so much time and I was so irresponsible and I will admit it. I was an idiot. And then I got it back and I was able to save it. And now never again, bro, everything is saved and backed up, you know, multiple times, but you know, you live and you learn, you know? Yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah. That's the good thing about those things though, is you can't back that all up. That's, that's, what's really cool. I used to carry uh, when line six first came out with the pod, I think it was like the second or third version that was a metal one. It was a live, it was a live one. I used to yeah. carry it to get to gigs. I didn't use it. I carried it to gigs in case my amp went out. Wow. And you know what I mean? Because then everything was on there and I could just run through the front of the house. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's yeah, crazy. But I, I'm an amp guy. I like air. You know what I mean? Well, that's why also I'm with you, bro. I'm with yeah. you. I love air. And that's the one thing And funny enough is Matt Ferguson over at, at line six. He said, what is your biggest, you know, he was asking, they ask all the artists of what they're like, you know, lead, like, what would you want? Like it, it, in a perfect world with the helix, what would you want? And I said, I want to have that feeling of an amp behind me. He's like, say no more. And he, and he brought out a power cab, dude, these power cabs behind me. Yeah, yeah, and they're like 5.1 sound power cabs. And he's like, plug in. So I'm able to hear my helix sounds coming through, blasting through an amp. And then I'm like, then it sounds like I just plugged into a fucking, you know, yeah. you know, one of these, you know, the Marshalls or the Bogners or whatever. They even have Bogner sounding amps in the thing, you know? So it's like, it just that to me, I feel you, man, air. And that's why I have these power cabs. I mean, it depends on, the budge of when I go out and play at the, at the two on the tours, if I could bring a power cab, that'd be amazing. But since we're playing through in-ears um, and I could put power cabs in the helix and I'm, you know, and you're on a big stage and the quick setup changes and the fact that, you know, it's could, you know, probably be a while. I mean, that's what I, you know, the what's so not gig was great because I have a great team of people in a tech, but you know, we're, we're so young, our band, I, it's going to be a while till I can get a tech going where I can be like, Hey man, this is my setup. All right, good. I'm, you know, sweet. Uh, so it's like the, the least amount of time to run up on stage, get it plugged in. All I have to do is plug in the helix, plug it into this, to, to the, uh, to the house DI boom, I'm done. Let's go. Let's play. Uh, that's going to be, and then especially when you're done with the show and you have to run up the stage and get the hell off. So the, the main act can play, uh, you know, you just want as, as less of a drag as possible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of guys doing it though. Like I said, there's a lot of guys doing it. Well, you know what, you know, I, I think your band, I, I you know, I, I'm not, I'm not a guy that can predict anything. I've never been able to predict anything in my life, but I would say that you guys are probably going to be huge someday. Oh, guys, thanks man. You guys got the, you got the talent, you got the right sound. I think, you know, personally in that. And, uh, you definitely got a good attitude, man. You know, you do. Well, you have to, I mean, you know, 
trust me, I didn't go, I, I'm not a musician because I love money. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you know all us musicians know it's, it, you're not in this for the money. And if you are, then get the fuck out, man. You know I mean? It, you're going to be let down or you're an overnight success and, and, and you get all this bread off the bat. But I mean, you know, I, I just focus on music and, uh, you know, I can't stand, uh, the big old money talks and the whole dig me money shit. It's so pointless. Uh, it means nothing. We all die eventually and you can't take your money with you. All you can do is take your experiences and your spiritual love and the people that you love and the people that respect you for you. That's all you got. So, you know, um, I just want to, I'm, I always say I'm, I'm rich with experience. I'm rich with like, I've been able to travel the world and play music and I've been able to play these massive gigs and these bucket list checks and I'm just starting, but I've been able to do it. And I'm like, man, you hold on to those. Those are, that's, that's true life rich. You know, that's soul rich. Like when you get to live your dream and push yourself hard enough where when everyone's telling you it's not going to happen or your time's up or whatever, and you say, fuck that shit. And you keep going and you say, I'm not going to listen to anyone. I'm going to listen to my inner self because I believe in me and self loves key. And then boom, you start doing these things and you're like, wow. And then you have this like weird universal aligning moments where you're just like, thank God I didn't listen to people. But then it doesn't matter what's in your bank account because you have those moments that you fucking can live with. And so, you know, with this band, it's the same thing, man. Like it's just, it's, it's been a slow build and we have a long way to go, but I believe in this so much. And I believe in what we've done to the point where, you know, we'll, we'll just, we'll do whatever we have to do to make this happen. And I, and, and I feel that the people, people in the mat, like a massive amount of people actually hear it. Cause even like, no, not really many people have heard it. You know I mean? We have like, Seven, we range on two of our songs, Chameleon and, and Automatic have like 70 something thousand views on on, on uh, YouTube and, you know, not many streams. We haven't really dived into the Spotify stream thing yet, but but it's getting radio love in, in UK and France. But like, you know, man, like we, like well, that's nothing compared to the world. You know, we have a long, 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 long way to go and we're going to do whatever we can and, and play as many gigs as we can to just build it and, uh, and thank you, man, for your belief in the band and, and everything. Because I, I really, you know, I really, truly, I've never been more proud of anything in my life. So, yeah, yeah. I think it'll, do, I think it'll do well. Yeah, I really do. You got a good crew behind you, you know, with mascot and Steve, you know, your manager and that. And uh, I, I tell you what, you got a good team behind you. So, you know, sky's the limit, man. That's for sure. Yeah, man. I appreciate you taking some time for me, Trev. I really do. It's an honor. Oh, man, I appreciate you wanting to talk, bro. <laughs> well, you know what? When I see a guy with the last name Lukather, you know, in a wall full of guitars on TV, just cranking, I'm like, I got to talk to this guy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, these are the, the, the quarantine jams, dude, you know, like just kind of having fun doing solos. I mean, I know like a lot of people, I see the reactions I get from guitar videos, you know, it's just like a lot of people want to see me play and, and, you know, I'm just not, I'm not a dig me guy, bro. You know, that's the one thing is I'm not a guy that like, you know, if I meet someone, Hey, you want to hear my song? Hey, you want to hear me play? Hey, you want to, let me tell you more about, you know, it's like, so it's, it takes a lot for me to be like, all right, I know people want to see some playing. So I, I have to fucking just do it. 
and then post it. Um, and and, and it, once again, though, I love that too, because at the same time, like, the one good thing about it, even though I have to like get outside of the, I'm not dig me guy, is that I see that people, like the response I get is like so loving and great. I mean, of course there's some haters out there. There's always gonna be haters, but like, but the most, I mean, 99% is great. And that's always a good little great connection between me and the people that follow me and, and everything. And, uh, and yeah, that makes it all worth it to get through that hole, <laughs> you know? Well, hey, and then I am talking to you, you know, like we end up doing this because I fucking decide to do some guitar videos, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm different. I'm not, you have a million shredders in the world. You know, you, you turn on yeah. Instagram or YouTube or whatever. There's incredible shredding guitar players. You know, it's just cool. I like to do something with my videos that I'm not that guy. So it might be a nice break for certain guitar players to listen to something that's just not this insane shredding, you know? I tell you what, man, I, I just love the guitar, period. I yeah. love the guitar, period. And I appreciate talent. Doesn't matter, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter if you're Paul Gilbert or if you're, you know, Mark Goldenberg, right? You know what I mean? I appreciate talent. And, you know, I've come across doing this show, I've come across guys all around the world that a lot of people don't know about or, or, you know, sitting at home or playing in a local club somewhere in the Philippines that are just incredible players, you know, really, really incredible players. And so the object is, is to bring those to the attention to the, you know, the, the few people that listen to me, you know, yeah. I, I want them to know about, about your music and I want them to know about their music and, and that, and, you know, try to create a community of, of people that are like-minded. Yeah. And that's what matters, man. I mean, a lot, that's the, that is, I mean, there's such, there's, there's so many pros and cons to the internet and, and to like the oversaturation of stuff, mm -hmm. but it definitely gives the chance, like before it's like, you know, you were some kid in a random place that, you know, if you're not in LA, New York or London or some of these like massive music spots, Nashville, it's kind of hard the internet and YouTube and TikTok and Instagram give these um, underdogs the chance to be heard because mm -hmm. then just takes that, those shares and the, have you heard this kid you come across it in the explore page of like, you know, you're a guitar player, explore page, is a lot of guitar playing. And then you come across random people. I mean, I've discovered so many great guitar players just through uh, Instagram explore, you know, and, uh, and that that's the beauty of the internet is is giving uh giving everyone a chance to be heard and and have a shot to to gain a fan base man and you know that's that's the that is the beauty of it you know that's cool well trev i appreciate your time buddy i really do and i wish you all the success in the world man i really great chat great chatting with you man and thank yeah, you so much for the support and love dude and yeah. you know i'll probably see you at a gig somewhere man where are you living chicago Oh, dude, fuck yes, man. Dude, <laughs> I've played Chicago. I mean, did Lollapalooza, man. Chicago's one of the sickest yeah. hangs and fan, like, just shows. Just, oh, what a beautiful thing. My fiance's dad's from Chicago. Yeah, I love Chicago. It's a great place. It's a yeah. Great city. Good, good city. I'll be glad when everything's open and music's back, man, because uh, we need it bad. We really do. Hell yeah, man. Fans are to go fucking nuts. Players are to go nuts. We're all frothing, ready to go, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. You, you, should saw, you should saw that little clip of your dad 
on my show where he was like, let me out of the fucking house. And I'm like caged animal. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. All right, my man. All right, Trev. Thanks a lot, buddy. You take care. Take care, brother. Yep. All right, so there you have it, Trev Lukather, right here on Guitar Talk. Uh, boy, you know what? You can follow him on social media. I know he's all over Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that kind of stuff to find out what's going on with Trev right now, today, what his plans are, what he's going to be moving into next, because you can guarantee it's going to be something really cool. And uh, so, you know, I want to thank Trev for participating in this episode. And I uh, just want to let you know that next week, my guest is John Jeffers, the guitarist for Whiskey Myers. And I don't know if you're following those guys, but man, they're smoking hot and they are climbing their way up pretty big. And uh, I love these rock bands, these new young rock bands that are coming out that just take me back to the early days to some degree. Uh, you know, it's it's refreshing to see. So John Jeffers from Whiskey Myers is going to join us next week right here on Guitar Talk. I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. I look forward to being with you next Wednesday. Until then, please stay safe, and I'll see you later.